So, uh, I mentioned a little bit about, we are starting a new series today called Family Matters, all right? Now, how many of you remember that show, Family Matters? Urkel was kind of like the most famous one from it. By the way, just a little side note, have you ever really seen Jaleel White, the actor who played Urkel? He is jacked. I mean, he was like a little nerdy guy on that show. You know, he had the pants up high. But he, even back then, they hit it really well. He was always like, I mean, just a muscular guy and the total opposite of what he was. But we're talking about family matters because we're talking about relationships of all different types over these next few weeks. And we thought it'd be a fun way to kind of tie it to like old TV shows from the, we've got shows that we're going to sort of base off of from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. And we're not going to necessarily try to make these spiritual connections between the shows, but they're shows that sort of deal with the types of relationships that we're going to deal with. And today I want to talk about a show just as our jumping off point a show that I don't know how many of you remember it was one of my favorite shows when I was like a high school student uh maybe I don't even know how long it ran maybe even college but it was a spinoff of I, I guess we can say the Cosby show that used to be an amazing show but there's a lot of crazy stuff with Bill Cosby now but it was a spinoff of that show and it was called a different world does anybody remember that show Remember, I love that show. Um, his daughter goes off to college is how it started. And she meets all these friends and it's just them living the college life, trying to figure out life together. And I don't remember necessarily a lot of details about the show, but I loved it. One of the things that I love was one of the main characters was a guy. Um, his name was uh, Dwayne Wayne. And he had these glasses, these circle frame glasses. And then he had the shades that flipped up on top. Do you might remember that? I really wanted those. I don't know if they were cool or not, but I wanted them. Anybody, anybody have any that was like just willing to admit it? Oh, y'all had them. Y'all just ain't willing to admit it. But anyway, I thought they were cool. And I thought about this show as we're talking about different types of relationships. And today, based on that show, we want to talk about what it's like to live a single life in the kingdom of God. Now, the reason we want to talk about that is because it's so vitally important is that in this world, you will have trouble. And if you decide that for whatever reason, and, and there's different reasons for being single. Sometimes it's stage of life. You know, you're just a, you know, maybe a teenager or you're in college and you're out of college. You haven't thought about getting married yet. Or maybe, you know, you just haven't found that right person. Or maybe you experienced divorce or loss of a spouse. For different reasons, we find ourselves single in our lives. But the important thing is how do we honor God even in those times? Because what we need to understand is this stage of life, no matter when you're living it, whether you live it for your entire life or you live it for a short while, is the perfect time to honor God. Because that's what we're called to do in every stage of life. And so I want to share with you this morning a little bit about uh, what it means to honor God in a single life. You know, some of my single friends have told me about the struggles that they have just in life in general, especially if it's their decision to stay single for their entire lives. And there's a lot of people that do that. You know, maybe just in general, they run into a lot of roadblocks. And in all honesty, even in the church, it can be a little difficult because a lot of churches are, are family-based and, you know, people are married and have kids a lot of times. And so sometimes you can sort of feel like not just in the church, but in life in general, you can sort of feel like, where's my place? Am I valuable? And let me stop right there. Absolutely, you're valuable. Absolutely, you are valuable. And you have, a, you have an, actually, I'm going to tip my cards a little bit here. You have a gift. 
Now, for some of you, you're like, yeah, amen, I, I get that. But for some of you, you're like, a gift, I want to return that joker. <laughs> you know, everybody falls on different places in that spectrum. But here's why, and we're going to get into the, the depth of it in a little bit about why it's a gift. But it may be difficult sometimes to find yourself, how do I fit in, not just in the church, but in the world in general, when it seems like so many times everybody's goal is simply to get married and have kids. So where do I fit in? But Scripture says quite a bit about what a blessing that that can be in your life, being single. And yes, I said blessing. (laughs) I said blessing. Marriage and children are definitely a blessing. But singleness is too. Singleness is too. Now let me say this before I get in too deep. Now, okay, for those of you that are not single, I want you to stop. I don't want you to tune out. I want you to focus in. Because there are some important things that we're going to cover that all of us need to hear. But before we go in too far, I want to say this. If it is your goal to be married, you know, maybe you're a teenager and you're, you know, you're thinking about, you know, one day I'll get married or you're in college and yeah, one day I'll get married. If it's your goal to be married, never settle for less than someone devoted to Jesus more than you. Never settle for less than someone more devoted to Jesus than they are to you. That is the first thing that you and I need to look for in a spouse if it's our desire to be married. doesn't matter if it's for the second time or the first time. If, if, that's, if your goal is to be married, the f- person you look for needs to love Jesus more than they love you. And that may seem counterintuitive. That is definitely everything that different than what the world tells you. They'll say, you, you find somebody that's going to treat you like a king or find somebody that's going to treat you like a queen and put you on a pedestal. <clears throat> Don't do that. Don't do that because guess what? They are going to run into the roadblock of self. And they're going to want to be the king or the queen. They're going to want to be elevated. And if they're putting all your, their energy into elevating you all the time, they're going to get tired and they're going to want their place. But what are they going to have to do to get their place on the pedestal? They're going to have to push you off. But if you decide to find someone that loves God more than they love you, that's someone that can learn how to sacrifice self and put you first. But you know what? You also need to do that for them. If you're looking for someone that's going to treat you like Christ treats his church, then you also need to be willing to do that for them as well. Because until then, that's, that's the only time that we're going to find peace in relationships. That's all I want to say about that. That's, we're not talking about Forrest Gump, but that is all I want to say about that. But here's what we do need to understand this morning. Every situation in our entire lives can be a blessing. It can be a blessing. When you focus on Jesus. Even our trials. Even our trials can be a blessing. And so no doubt, and this is the only place, I'm not just taking this and and applying it to singleness. We're going to get into some scripture here that says it very clearly. But that's one reason, just one quick reason why singleness can be a blessing and a gift. Here's a, a couple things that singleness will allow you to have. It allows you to have single minded focus on the kingdom of God. Single-minded focus on the kingdom of God. Now, we've talked about the kingdom these past few weeks. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is the most important thing in our lives if we are a Christian. And if that is not a true statement for you, if that's not a true statement for me, it's time for me and you to repent. 
Because you will not find peace, you will not find joy, you will not find contentment if you live a you first or a world first in a kingdom second or third or fourth or fifth life. I, I wish that there was another way to explain it, but that's the honest gospel truth is that unless you live a kingdom first life, you will never truly find peace and joy this side of heaven. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven and struggle because that's going to be a struggle for all of us on some level in some way. I'm not talking about that. Don't hear I'm saying perfection. I'm not saying that. But you will not find peace and joy and rest this side of heaven unless the kingdom of God is first and foremost your priority in life. And being single, whether it be for your life or for a stage or a phase, is an awesome opportunity to find single-minded focus on the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians writes a few things and he clarifies and he says, you know, in, in different ways, he says, you know, this is my idea, but I believe I have the spirit of God. He says he gives his ideas on being single in a troubled world. Would you say that this world is troubled? <laughs> so does it apply to us as well? Yeah, the, the church at Corinth was a was a mess. It was a wreck. And he said, here's how you can do it, or here's, here's what you can learn from it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 26. He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, promised to be married, engaged, if you will, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Now, some of you husbands were probably getting ready to say, Amen. And you're like, protect your ribs, right? You know, maybe you do that. But the truth is right there is that even though marriage and children are a blessing, when you're married, you will have worldly troubles. You will have struggles. It will be, it will be a wrestling match, so to speak, like, you know, Joshua did with God. We, we do that with each other when we're married. Even the best couples. Here's, here's a little secret. I tell people all the time when I do premarital counseling or I do counseling with, with people who are just wanting to make their marriage better or improve their marriage. I say, you have to learn how to fight. You have to learn how to fight because most of the time when we go into marriage, a lot of us say, well, we're not going to fight. <laughs> Good one, good one. All right, let's say you have to learn how to fight. And so that's important. But he says they will have worldly troubles and I would spare you that. Paul said that. I didn't say that. Paul said that. I just want to go on record. I didn't say that, Sherry, that you will have troubles if you're married. But he explains a little deeper here in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, let me, let me just clarify this. I, I think Paul said it clearly. And if you go and you read all the verses in context there, you'll get an even clearer picture. But Paul's not saying, 
don't get married if you're not married. And he's not saying if you are married, you know, leave your spouse. He, he explicitly says that's not what he's saying, right? But he's saying it will be difficult, so be prepared. Be prepared. It's going to be difficult to keep your focus on Jesus first, especially if you're married. But it also can be difficult if you're single, can it? Because you can find yourself battling with yourself so much and deciding maybe many different things, maybe to put yourself first, even before Christ. Or you could be looking for someone, if it's your desire to be married, you could be looking for someone so much that you forget to focus on Jesus and your relationship with Him. But the truth of the matter is that we can honor and glorify God in everything we do and be kingdom-minded first, whether we be married or whether we be single. I'll say it again for, for sake of being a, re, a repeating record. And it's funny that a record is actually a thing again, right? People buy records now. Make no mistake, marriage is a blessing. But it's easy to get distracted and put your relationship with your spouse before your relationship with God. Another thing, and I, I can't claim to have come up with this, but another thing that I've told people in counseling is that if you imagine your relationship, if you're going to be married or about to be married, as a triangle, and that you and your spouse are the two bottom points of the triangle, and God is the center of that point, that top point, as you move closer to God, you also get closer together. But if you try to go this way and get closer to your spouse, you don't get necessarily any closer to God. And that's a reminder that we need. So the, the beautiful thing is, is that when you're single, whether it be lifelong, your decision to not marry, or it just be for a season, when you're single, you have the opportunity to focus on other people, to be kingdom-minded, to practice hospitality, to, to spend time with other people, to serve people that we will have conflicts with if we are married we're going to have more time conflicts that we would have to fight and wrestle with you'll have more opportunities to include others i've seen people who uh you know i've got some good friends that i've known and family members that have chosen to live a life of singleness for their entire life and i've seen people that like i've said are single for different reasons for different seasons and i've seen people who've done it very well and i've seen people who've done it poorly and that's just being real because I've seen people do marriage really well and I've seen people do marriage really poorly. Am I right? It's amazing to see people who are single and who are doing it right, kingdom-minded, because they get to do whatever the Lord leads them to do. You know? And, and I can't say this enough. I have to repeat Paul. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be married, but if you are single, you've got this blessing of a gift to be able to do where, what God leads you when he leads you to do it. But I have seen people do it poorly. And maybe they just haven't found that person right now and they're looking for someone to marry and they waste all of their time and their energy instead of focusing on their relationship with God trying to find somebody that, unfortunately, a lot of times, somebody they feel like maybe I can change or bring along to what I want them to be. And they miss opportunities to minister to other people, to love other people, and to serve other people, and to practice hospitality. And I'll say this. If you find yourself in this 
single stage of life, once again, you know all the qualifiers there, whether it be a choice for life or you're widowed or divorced or hadn't gotten married yet. Here's the thing. If you struggle with loneliness, if you struggle with loneliness, you will fail every time when you go looking for a person with skin on to fulfill the needs and desires that only God can fill. You will struggle every time if you do that. And what you have is a blessing if you are a believer or if you're thinking about being a believer, a follower of Jesus, you have a blessing that you have a family that is limitless in the church. Wow, that got nothing. Is that a bad, is that a bad like third place? I mean, the church for all of us should be our family. Whoo, man, y'all don't believe this, do you? The church should be our family, and that's what we desire to be at Movement is a family. We don't desire to be an organization. We desire to be family in Christ, and you and I need family. If you have a big, I've got a big family. I do. I've got a big family, a big biological family, and it past biological. We have all kinds of people in our family. I have all of that. But here's what I'm saying is that I have a limitless family in the church of Jesus Christ. And that you and I have a part of a, a family, a body that is greater than anything we can understand. And that you and I never have to be alone. And that if you are, are not a single person, I want you to make sure that you reach out to your friends that are single. But also, if you're a single person, I want you to reach out to your friends that are not single or reach out to your other single friends and be the bridge that, that binds people together and joins people together. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You go do it. Be the person who joins people together, who practices hospitality, who brings the body of Christ together. And in that same note of you can have single-minded focus on the kingdom, here's a little sub-part that I want you to think about. You can have single-minded purpose to make Jesus famous. There are too many times in my Christian life since I've been married that I have been too busy to share the gospel. And that's kind of a double-edged statement there. I've never truly been too busy. I've just chosen not to. But I have had plenty of stuff on my plate that's given me plenty of excuses and reasons not to share my faith. But I and you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, our only sole purpose is to glorify God. And one of the main ways we do that is sharing our faith. And I, I, one time I used to use that phrase and I wasn't the first person to coin that phrase either, but make Jesus famous. And I had a, a, a good preacher friend who sort of corrected me on that. He said, Jesus is famous. I said, I wish he was as much as he should be. He has every reason to be. And he has been, and, and in the way that he's changed time and history and even calendars, yes, he's famous. But there are people that live in our reach that don't know who Jesus is. And that when you are single, you have a blessing of an opportunity to be single focused on your purpose of making Jesus famous. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at that he had in his life. It says here, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, if you back up a little bit in this text, 
says, I wish that all were as I myself am, what Paul says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Verse 8, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. The Apostle Paul felt that it was a gift that he did not have a person to bring along or a person to wonder about or worry about. Do I, am I giving them enough time and attention? I want to be completely and solely focused on Jesus is what Paul was saying. Now, for those of us that are married, we're not off the hook. We need to have that same attitude. But the people that are single have a blessing of an opportunity to be focused solely on winning people to Jesus. And here's the other main idea, the second one. The single-minded identity in Christ. If you're single, you can have this gift, and that's what he calls it, a gift there in verse 7. You can have this gift, and it helps you to have single-minded identity in Christ. God made us for a purpose. We've already said that, right? I want you to say that with me. God made me for a purpose. One, two, three. God made me for a purpose. That purpose is to glorify Him, to point people to Him. But until you understand who you are in Christ, you are going to struggle with your purpose. If you don't get the identity part, you will not understand the purpose part. Not only did God create us, can you imagine that? God created us. Yes, He started with Adam and Eve, but He had a hand in our creation from there on out, every single one of us. But God created us for a purpose. And then we messed up. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He then went and purchased us back with the blood of His Son, Jesus. So He not only made us for a purpose, He then went and redeemed us for a purpose. We have been doubly made and purchased and bought to fulfill the purpose of God. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That is why you and I were made. You were chosen. Now let me pause for just a second. For those that are watching online or those that are sitting here today and that may find themselves single and that's not what you want. You may feel as if you're not worthy. You may believe those lies of Satan that you're not loved and that you're not good enough. But I want every single one of us, not just those people, but every single one of us to back up to the beginning of verse 9. And I want you to read that first phrase. But you are a chosen race. You're chosen by God. He loves you enough. He chose you. He poured out the blood of His Son. And as a part of the church, you are chosen by God. And you have a purpose. And I'm telling you this. If the one who knows you and who bought you back and made you from the inside out and knit you together in your mother's womb knows every secret, every thought, everything you've ever whispered, everything you've ever said behind somebody else's back, everything you've ever done, whether it be in secret or out, be out in, the break, in the daylight, if He chooses you, you're worthy. You're worthy. Not because you've done anything good, but because His love is so great. But He's chosen you, and we all are part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to proclaim the glories of the God who brought us out of darkness into light. 
You belong to Jesus. He desires you. He desires me. He desires all of us. And He's made us for a special purpose for His glory. We don't have to feel empty. We don't have to feel unnecessary. We don't have to feel unfulfilled or like we're missing something. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 gives us a, a beautiful picture of that. It says there in verse 9, it says, For in Him, that is Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Listen to this. It goes on and it says, when we were baptized into Christ, that Christ cut away our, our sinful nature. He, he circumcised our flesh and He raised us up by our faith in Him. When we give our lives to Jesus, we have the fullness of God. All right? Everybody needs to be listening to this. You don't need something else to complete you. You don't need somebody else to complete you. If you're married right now, it's not your husband or your wife's job to complete you. Parents, listen to this. Parents, listen to this. If you have children, and that you'd be a parent and then you have children. <laughs> At least I caught it. If you have children, it's not their job to complete you. You have completeness and fullness if you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, you can get in Christ today. You can be full and complete and you can be whole through Jesus. You are complete in Christ. How many opportunities do we miss to tell people about Jesus when we try to find our identity in this world? How many times are we so stuck in our own heads, in our own minds and hearts that we miss the people that are walking by us every day that are lost and they don't even know it? How many times do we go around looking and miss opportunities because we're looking for our fulfillment in this world and in ourselves and in people when we already have it if we're in Christ? You have fulfillment. I have fulfillment in Jesus and I need to be reminded of that every single day. You might be tempted today to say, well, that's easy for somebody who's married to say. <laughs> it's easy for a married person to say this. But here's the truth. If you don't find your significance and your identity in Christ, marriage won't satisfy you. Kids won't satisfy you. A job that you think is perfect won't satisfy you. A house and all the best, coolest toys won't satisfy you. A boyfriend or a girlfriend won't satisfy you. A church family won't satisfy you unless you find your fulfillment in Jesus Christ first and foremost. But even a marriage can temporarily make you happy. But that emptiness that you're trying to fill can never be filled by another person. So it doesn't matter if we're single or married until we find our identity in Jesus alone. We'll never find peace in this life. And so it is one thing that we have to wrap our minds around, folks, this morning. 
is that when you are single, whether it be for a season or for the rest of your life, you have a unique opportunity to put Jesus first in everything you do. And you will be the envy of all your friends because you'll be walking around in a different way, in a different place, in a different time because your head is in the right place. Your heart is in heaven where it belongs and your mind is there and you're just waiting for your body to catch up when Jesus comes back. But the challenge for all of us is this. Is Jesus my source, my all, my place, and my, my, my beginning of my significance? Is Jesus my everything? That's the challenge that all of us, whether we be single or married, or, or that's really the only options, I guess, right? If we have those choices, are we finding our significance in Jesus? Here's the thing I want you to sort of leave with here this morning. In just a couple moments as the band comes, we're going to take communion together. And I want to say this, and I hope that everybody tunes in for this and listens to this. If you're single, you'll find yourself lonely one time or another. You'll find yourself lonely. But the truth is, is that if you're married, sometimes you'll find yourself lonely too. And that's a different kind of loneliness. But if you find yourself lonely at any time, in any place in your life, here's what I want you to focus on and wrap your minds around. Is that Jesus went to the cross. Did he call the ten thousands of angels to come and be with him there? He could have. God the Father, we understand, even sort of turned his back and left him alone on the cross for a time. Jesus went to the cross utterly alone so that you and I don't ever have to be alone again. We don't have to be truly alone. We might be alone in body but if we have the holy spirit of god then we are never alone and we have the closest companion that we could ever have and the savior of our souls went to the cross alone so we don't have to be alone and so i want you in just the next few moments as the band plays and then as you start to sing i want you to take those communion elements and the packets are right there on the, on the bar on this side if you haven't gotten one yet. And I want you to peel back that first layer and you see that wafer that reminds you of the body of Jesus that hung on that cross all alone. And the blood that was poured out that was the only blood that really mattered that if anybody else if I'd poured out my blood if you poured out your blood it doesn't make a difference if John or Peter or Paul poured out their blood it doesn't do anything but Jesus singly poured out his blood to make you whole to give you fulfillment and fullness in Christ and so each week when we take this supper together, this Lord's Supper, this meal together, we can be reminded that even if you're the only person within a hundred square miles, you are not alone because Jesus suffered the most lonely time that anyone's ever suffered so that you could be free and you could be part of a family and you could be united. So today as you take the Lord's Supper, I want to challenge you to think, if I'm not single, how can I reach out to people who are and make sure that they feel a part of the body of Christ?
And if I'm single, how can I reach out and make other people feel a part of the body of Christ? And how can I move forward singly with my purpose and be focused on kingdom first, making Jesus famous? And if you need some help doing that, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you take those steps of what you need to take. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, I'll be right back there and I'd be glad to talk with you and we can go make that happen today. You can be washed clean and new because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So take some time and remember what Jesus has done for you. And then let's sing together. Stand when you're ready.